So when we look at Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin in the 17th verse and, and step by step and slowly go through the verses there. And it are the instructions or encouragement from God's Word is to us as New Testament Christians or to be that new man. Ladies, you're included. That new person, if you will. That new, new person who's supposed to be a child of God. Someone who doesn't reflect who he used to be. And of course we understand that. And tonight we're going to look at the scriptures tonight. And it be revealed unto us. We're going to see the word darkened. We're going to see the word alienated. We're going to see the word uh, truth. We're going to see all these words. And we're going to cover them. But tonight as we study Ephesians chapter 4. Starting in verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord. That you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have been given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Now let's stop there in verse 19. Now this sounds a whole lot like the person who we used to be. Someone who, who's not even concerned about God, not even concerned about Christ. This is the person, of course, we're not supposed to be. So when we think about how we treat those outside, those who are not of the household of faith, how do we treat them? I hope we treat them with a loving kindness that we was treated at one point in our lives. And we responded, of course, to the gospel. So here, we're talking to Christians. We're talking to someone who has put Christ on, of course, through baptism. This I say, therefore, in verse 17, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, keep in mind, this is wrote again to you and I, Gentiles. We're, we're encouraged to change. We're encouraged to no longer walk as the world walks. But notice this. Whenever... Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians, and he says this. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. Now, we can't get no more personal than that. Whenever we hear Paul talking about testifying in the Lord, we realize he is uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through him and write this. Folks, this is God. This is God speaking through the pen of Paul. So when we hear this saying, he's testifying unto us he's giving us a command he's telling us that we shouldn't do something and if we don't do this thing that he's telling us not to do if we if we continue to do something that it tells us not to do we're going to be in trouble we're going to be in, in serious trouble if we are hot water that you should no longer walk as the rest of the gentiles an idea of no longer which means we used to do the things that we used to do that was displeasing in the eyes of God, we consider it sin. God calls it sin. We remember the definition of sin or even the origin of sin. That three-letter word that will condemn so many people. It means missing the mark. It's, folks, it's an archery term. When you aim for that bullseye, you draw back your bow and you release that arrow and it misses that little bitty circle in the middle that you're aiming for and you miss it, it's a sin. And, of course, there's points deducted as you get away from that bullseye. Know this. 
If you sin in the eyes of God, it's going to cost you salvation. There is no points off. Either you hit the mark or you don't. Again, let that reflect your Christian life. How well are you aiming for the bullseye, bullseye that is to be Christ-like? That we should no longer walk as we used to walk, as the other Gentiles do unto today. We make a, uh, an observation. I know I've made that observation before, and I've shared it with the congregation here at Booth Chapel. Whenever you see someone who you know that they are not a child of God, the way they act, the way they conduct themselves, and the way that they speak, they change when they're around you. Well, typically they change around you. Why? Because you don't stand for those things. You don't say those things. You don't condone those things. And yes, I understand there are individuals who just don't care. I understand that. But this is individuals who have a little bit of decency in their heart, and they see you standing there, and their, their actions change, their voice changes, their speech changes, the way that they care about themselves. Their story that they may be telling may stop. Folks, we need to take notice of something. That's who we used to be. That's who we used to conduct. That's how we used to conduct ourselves. We used to be that person. When you was immersed, when you was baptized for the remission of sins, you no longer became, you're no longer being that person. You've ceased from that sinful ways, as we learned this morning in Romans chapter six, verses one and two. Should we not help God out by sinning? Of course not. Paul screens it out. Certainly not. Here he encouraged us today and also the church of Ephesus to no longer walk means to stop doing something, to change to no longer operate the way you used to operate, the way the Gentiles do today. That person who stops their speech when you walk up, why should they have to stop their speech? Why should they change, their, change the way they conduct themselves just because you have entered into the room and you're representing Christ? Keep in mind well, I'm here to tell you right now, whenever you leave that room, God's still there. He's still watching. A lot of folks miss that mark and don't realize God still sees what they're doing. And on Judgment Day, they will have to give an account of the things that they are doing. The thing in the news today, I don't watch the news. Of course, y'all know I don't, I don't watch the news. But I was sitting there with my uncle, and they had the news on. And, of course, I knew that the riots were going on, but I didn't realize it was that bad. People destroying, people stealing, all because of something bad happened. Somebody made a bad choice, certain circumstances happened, and now everybody's in an uproar. Could you imagine standing before God on Judgment Day involving yourself with that rioting? Could you give an account for that to justify those means? No. God commands us to not to steal, does he not? You know what stealing is, the definition of stealing? Taking something from somebody without their permission. That's what the word stealing means. And that's that. As a society, we carry on without such way. I didn't say the church, I said as a society. That you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Well, let's look at what let's look at what the idea of the, the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened. Having their understanding darkened. 
the best way I can reference this is to, without explaining it in depth, have you ever covered grass with a tarp? Piece of cardboard, put it in the darkness. You ever had that? You ever done that before? I have. Trying to kill grass, right? Or weeds? What happens to those weeds? They typically die, don't they? How about after three or four days after that, whatever you lay down, tarp, plastic, cardboard, whatever. Have you ever peeled it back and looked at that grass? It's pitiful looking, ain't it? It is pitiful looking. All your other grass is all pretty and green because it's getting nourished from, nourishment from the sun. And this grass that's been in the dark, or the weeds that's been in the dark, it's just withered. It's dying. That's what happens to our spirit. When we have our understanding darkened, that's what we look like in the eyes of God. That withered, dead piece of grass. But the Gentiles and the futility of their mind, they have their, their understanding darkened. They're not fully aware of what God will have them to do, but us today as Gentile Christians, not Gentile Jews, I mean Christian Jews, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us today. Those who have understand what the gospel means to us, we've responded to it. And we're no longer that person who just doesn't care. Now we have a love and understanding what it is to be a child of God, what it means to treat one another, how we are to treat one another. And in the very next thought of verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. All right, here we go. Go right back to that piece of grass under that shade of that piece of plastic or tarp or, or cardboard, or whatever you lay down. I'm going to continue to use cardboard. So whenever we think of that, grass being separated from the sunshine because you've darkened it right it dies it dies and everything in the shadow of that piece of cardboard is going to die and it's going to turn to just dirt no longer grass dirt <coughs> but notice this if you was to take that cardboard back. Whatever else you use, like I said, I'm going to use cardboard. If you took that cardboard back, does that remain dirt forever? It doesn't. Wait a minute, what happened? It's, it's, you killed the grass, you, you shaded it, you let, it, let those little sprouts or seed or the, the seeds are in the soil, you let them receive sunshine and you see those little sprouts coming back. I'm not talking roundup. I'm talking just sheer shade. I see that green back there from Brother Artis. You, you let that ground receive sunshine again, and what happens? New life comes back, and those little sprouts come up, and you leave it off long enough, it'd be almost just like it never happened. That sounds a lot like justification, doesn't it? A lot like justification. Imagine you and I, as a child, like that piece of grass, connected to God, sin-free. And then we hit the age of accountability. And if you don't know what that age of accountability is, if you're hearing my voice, it means that you know without a shadow of a doubt what you're doing is wrong in the eyes of God. And it's different for everybody. Age of accountability. When you hit that and you refuse to repent, it's just like you being covered by that, if you was a piece of grass, being covered by that piece of cardboard. You wither, 
and you die because you're not connected to God anymore. You've been alienated from God and your understanding is just gone. But when it happens, when you take that cardboard away and you, it's, the gospel is revealed unto you, you receive that light yet again. Guess what? Life is breathed into your spirit once again through repentance, through baptism. And that's when that cardboard is removed. When your sin is gone, I cannot, I'm going to get personal. I can remember the instance when Brother Thomas immersed me in that water. He assisted me in that. I can remember the feeling when I stood up in that water. Yeah, that water was pretty dirty. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. That could have been muddy water. It did not matter. I stood up and I realized I was clean. I was sin free. I was standing in the good graces of God. I was a Christian. I remember that. And that's just like that cardboard being removed from that ground. And what happens to those grass? It begins to grow. It begins to sprout. And it, and it gets life again. That needs to be us today. That needs to be us today. But unfortunately, sin revives again. It does. No matter how strong that grass grows, you can put that cardboard right back on that ground. And it'll die again. Folks, that cardboard is sin. I don't know if you know the representation, but that cardboard is sin. And who puts that cardboard on the ground? Jeremy does. And you do. Like I said, I was going to get personal. I put the cardboard on that ground and I kill that grass. Paul, he refers to what sin does. Oh, excuse me, what sin does to him. He says, I die daily. Folks, we die daily. We need that justificating power of the blood of Christ. So as we're not alienated from the life of God. You know what the word alienated means? It means separated. It means no longer connected. You notice it says the life of God. We do realize that Jesus Christ, whenever he was teaching his disciples, soon to be apostles, he was teaching them something significant. He taught them, I am the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through or by me, whichever you have, the King James or the New King James. He said, I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. Have we accepted that today? Even though we've been baptized for the remission of sins, do we know what the life of God is? The life of God is faithful obedience. Moving on to verse 18, referring back to those Gentiles who walk in the futility of their mind because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 18, the last, the last half of it, because of the ignorance that is in them. Oh, I can't believe you just called somebody ignorant. If you don't realize there are folks out there who are ignorant, something is wrong. Ignorant is not a horrible term, folks. It's not. It's, a, it's an explanation of someone's lack of knowledge. That's exactly what it means. So as you realize that ignorance means lack of knowledge, those Gentiles or those folks who are around every single day who are speaking the way that they're not supposed to speak, that person who stops telling that story or changes their, their tone or their notes or their voice, that person 
Remember who we used to be. We're no longer that person. That's the person we mourn. That's the person who we don't want to go back to because that Jeremy's lost. Insert your name there. Because of the ignorance that is in them, the lack of knowledge. Because we can have a zeal for God and no knowledge. Do you remember the Jews when they did not accept Christ as the Messiah? They had a zeal for God, but they had no knowledge, and it was dangerous. What did they do? They crucified the Son of God. Pretty dangerous, ain't it? It's very dangerous in the house of God to have a zeal but no knowledge. Because of the blindness of their hearts. You remember Saul before he became Paul. Do you remember Saul on the road to Damascus? What happened to him? Christ came to him. That light shone around him. And Christ spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Could you imagine? He fell down on his face. Could you imagine his demeanor? This is the person who, this is the person who I thought I was in his good grace. Here he is. He's, he's saying, I'm persecuting him. He was strict blind. He was blinded. He had to be led into town. And he was shown a more correct way to behave. Something miraculous happened through that instruction. He was baptized for the remission of sins. And if you notice in the study of Paul, what did he do immediately? He started teaching. And of course, those, those Christians are like, well, wait a minute. Isn't this, isn't this the same Saul that was dragging us out into the courts? out into jails even to be killed isn't this the same Saul that was afraid of him he had a voice he had a voice that spoke up for him he says no this man's this man's a new, a new person he's no longer spiritually blind he's got spiritual sight today we see those individuals with that spiritual blindness Paul then saw received instruction yes he got that light shone around him and, and Christ spoke to him on that road but he got some instruction for what he must do Christ told him one town you'll receive instruction what you must do he received those instructions and what did he do with those instructions you ever heard the term take the bull by the horns you ever heard that term before that's exactly what he did he took control and he no longer persecuted Jesus Christ. He put Jesus Christ on and he became a Christian. But of course, as, as we study on through Paul's life, he stumbled just as you and I do. Thankfully, there's that escape, that way out. It's called repentance. That we should no longer walk in the futility of our mind. We can't have that idea of saying, I don't care. I've heard that so much and it saddens me. I don't care. Or you encourage someone to come to church. Say, you know you're missing it and we welcome you back. You know it's going to be bad on Judgment Day. And here's the one I think we've all heard. I know. Well, if I don't think you really do. Because you think these individuals that Paul's talking about, they're understanding darkened, alienated from the life of God, their uh, ignorance in them, and the blindness of their hearts. Do you think they say, well, I know. You know, they would not because they could not grasp the gravity of what it was to be a Christian just as today what it means to have an opportunity of everlasting life just as you and I do if 
we remain faithful. I will put that in there. Because I have been told, oh, you church Christ folks, you think that you're the only ones that's going to be saved. You think you're the only ones that's going to go to heaven. Unfortunately, there's going to be some folks lost who are members of the church of Christ. Unfortunately. Because if you read very carefully in Revelations, I know Revelations is difficult to study. If you read Revelations 2 and verse 10, just, just take it home, take your Bibles home and read and study very carefully. Something about a crown of life is there. Something, something about being faithful unto death. And that's how you receive this crown of life. That's what Christ is telling the faithful church. Oh, they was fixing to endure some serious persecutions. Christ knew that. He had the mind of God. He knew those persecutions were coming, were coming and they were persecuted to the, to the ends. Some remained faithful, some did not. And they were baptized into Christ. And they gave up. Just like John 6, 66. They walked with him with no more when they heard those things that Christ was talking about. You must partake of my body. You must drink of my blood. They didn't want to hear that. And they walked away from him. How many people today, when they hear what Christ commands them to do, I didn't say encourage, I said command. Something that we must do. When they hear these things that we must do, change? Well, I can't change. I like the way that I'm living. I like the way that my life is going, but yeah, that life leads to destruction. Turn away from that way of life. Turn to God. Because He offers you everlasting life where there will be no joy, uh, no, no tears, no sadness, no, no suffering, where it's endless. The word I want to start with is joy. Never-ending joy. Where your cup runneth over. Verse 19. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all cleanliness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. But before we get into verse 20, let's look at verse 19. I, and I hope this really hits home with some individuals that's here in my books, whether in attendance or listening to my lesson. Who, being past, past tense, who we used to be, feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Used to be. This is the person Paul is encouraging Christians who we can't be anymore because that's who we used to be. Because we see this running rampant. We see sin everywhere. But I believe that Romans chapter 5 speaks of God's grace. And God's grace covering sin I believe the mention there is there's more of God's grace than there is sin in the world. Now we can see sin. We can actually physically see it with our eyes. We can understand as a child of God, we can understand what that sin is. The, my example before, the rioting. Is stealing a sin? Oh yes, it is. Is, is Arson a sin? Oh, yes, it is. Is destruction of property a sin? Uh, it is. Of course it is. It's against man's law. You do, you, you do realize when you break man's law, you break God's law. Period. Romans 13. The person who we used to be, we can't be. But these individuals who we come, come in contact, who we used to be, 
We need to encourage them not to be that person. Now, this is just one small, one, one, <laughs> one small section of a lesson. If this lesson was to carry on for four hours, it's not, I promise. We would cover a whole lot more. goes right back to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Whenever Christ gives a great commission, those individuals who we're coming in contact with is your neighbor. The folks who you're around, period. The person you meet at the store, that's your neighbor. Sitting there next to cross pumping gas, that's your neighbor. Anybody you come in contact with, that is your neighbor. You ever heard of the golden rule? Treat your neighbor as you would have to treat yourself. The golden rule. I am thankful someone treated me with kind and tender and mercy and showed me the idea of salvation. It was just shown to me. Today we have several in the audits who have been shown that opportunity. And we responded. We've been baptized for the remission of sins. But unfortunately we fall short. We, under we understand that when we fall short, we've fallen away from grace, we've fallen away from God, but we have an opportunity to come back. As we have assembled this evening in this house of comfort, as we worship God, we're worshiping in truth and spirit. Because we cannot and absolutely cannot worship God if we are outside of Him. Because we are in the flesh and we cannot please God if we're in the flesh. We can only please God if we're in the Spirit. And in verse 20, But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. That... Here it is. Here's the, here's the climax of this lesson. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed, oh there's that wonderful word, renewed, in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created, listen to this very carefully, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Did you receive the gravity of that when I read that to you? Or when you read along? Did you receive the gravity of it? Have you learned Christ? I hope so. Paul's example there is you not so learned it. Because he has instructed you in verse 22 that you put off concerning your former conduct. Remember the person who's buried in that baptismal grave? Raised up a new creature? We're not that person in the water anymore. We're something new. But unfortunately, it's a bad representation, but unfortunately, whenever we sin, when we revert back to our former conduct, we reach down in that water, and we, we're going to get personal again. I pick Jeremy up, and I put him on, and guess who gets off? Christ. He leaves. He leaves. And now I'm that sinful person again. No longer justified in short terms lost expecting a greater condemnation because I have once tasted the good graces that is Christ and I've sinned and I've counted Jesus Christ's blood a common thing thankfully I can take old Jeremy back off Oh, because I, I need Christ back right I'm going to do that right now for the representation so I'm going to put Jeremy back in the grave and I'm going to repent I'm going to repent and I'm going to ask God to forgive me 
Because I know I've fallen short and I do not deserve his grace, but I'm asking for it. Guess what happens? He forgives me. God's grace is extended back to me and Christ comes back into my heart. He's my mediator yet again. He's my propitiation again. And his love is extended back into me. See what see the difference? When I put Jeremy back on out of that watery grave, I'm lost. When I put Christ back on, I lay Jeremy back in that grave. I want nothing to do with that guy. He's lost. He's condemned on judgment day. Christ died for my sins. We know that Christ and God loves us. My question to you, do you love Christ and do you love God? So in closing, I want you to turn with me also to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 34. And we are going to close. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 34. This thought is the effects of denying, denying the resurrection. Of course, we know and very well, are well, well aware that there is a resurrection. Verse 34, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. That sounds a whole lot like that woman caught in adultery and those men brought that woman to Christ to say, do you find any fault with her? He says, all right, the first one, Christ says to those folks who brought that woman, the first one of y'all who are not guilty of sin, you cast the first stone. Uh, no, no stones were cast. Not the first one. And all the accusers started fizzling out and all slept was that woman brought who was guilty of adultery. You remember what Christ told her? Then he says, so where's your accuser? She says, they've gone. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. That's what Christ told that, that woman. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God as I speak this to your shame. Have you not so learned Christ to not be condoned in sin? Or to not condone sin, excuse me. To not be involved with sin. So let's start, so let's learn Jesus Christ. Let's awake to righteousness and do not sin. In closing, I will say this. I want to encourage faithful obedience. Yes, it's difficult. It's supposed to be difficult. As you are a child of God, you're going to, you're going to suffer some persecutions. For they persecuted our Lord and Savior. They hated Him. The world's going to hate us as well. And on Judgment Day, I'd rather stand before God justified than lost. Does that justification need to happen tonight? I encourage repentance. I encourage it. Why walk out of these doors in this auditorium being lost? You have an opportunity this evening to be saved yet again by casting away your sin, turning away from it, confessing that sin, and praying to God that he will forgive you of that sin. Again, baptism. Those in the audience tonight have been baptized, but you may be hearing my voice considering baptism. Baptism is how we put Christ on. That's how we get access to what we've been talking about tonight. Please do so. Tarry not. Do not wait any longer. For the, for the night is far spent and the day is at hand. For salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So my encouragement, repent of your sins and ask God to forgive you and to be baptized for the remission of those sins. Why don't you do so as 
stand to sing the song of the invitation.